This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Clip and Roll. I am your host, Justin Russo. I'm your other host, Farbad Estashari from Sports Illustrated. This podcast is being brought to you by DoorDash, NFL Sunday Ticket, Bet Online, and of course, Blue Wire. Farbad, Game 6 happened on Sunday afternoon, August 30th. The Clippers were leading three games to two. They needed to win in order to close out the series in six games and get themselves at the minimum one day of rest at the maximum three days of rest, depending on the other game six that night between the Denver Nuggets and Utah Jazz. And we're going to talk about their thing later. The Clippers go into that game. No Kristaps Porzingis for Dallas. No Patrick Beverly for the Clippers. The Clippers look decent in the first quarter until Marcus Morris Sr. gets ejected for a flagrant two foul on Luka Doncic. He probably should have been ejected. I'm not going to argue the ejection. Which is so uh, crazy because he should have gotten ejected. But, like, people are tweeting at me being like, something needs to be done about him. They need to suspend him. And I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? Calm down. Yeah, I don't think he should be suspended. Like, that's that's weird. But Especially when you I got, mean, like, guys like Kuzma be, who should hate him being like, oh, yeah, that was clean. Yeah, it wasn't clean. But the fact that other players are saying it's clean is like, okay, who are these egregiously upset fans that keep calling for his – like there was an SB Nation article being like Marcus Morris needs to be stopped. And it's like, what? what is this? I like how every postseason there's one guy who everyone just thinks is the worst human walking the earth. It's like without fail. It happens every year. Um, to sum it up though, Marcus Morris Sr., Baps Luka Doncic on the head with his left hand. That's the initial foul call. He comes down with a chopping motion with his right hand. He does hit the ball, 
doesn't matter because he also gets a ton of his upper body. Like he, he hits him in the neck, the head and neck area. And that's not allowed. The wind up is why he gets thrown out. Um, it was, it was a deserved suspension. I think it's fine that he got suspended or is not suspended. Uh, just, um, ejected. ejected. Thank you. It's fine that he got ejected. That doesn't bother me. I think it was pretty much the right call. Um, beyond that though, the Clippers, you know, they had to make do without him. And let's be clear here. He was probably their third best player in the series at that point in time. And in the second quarter, Jermichael Green gets some time with the starters and he even starts the third quarter. the second quarter. best player in the series? I thought it was him. You, you thought he was the second best player? Probably. See, I okay, we're going to talk about Paul George in a second because a lot of stuff's happened. But I still think Paul George was the second best Clipper. No, I just, I just don't think he was making shots at a clip that people think he was the second best clipper. No way, man. He was shooting some stuff where I'm like, if you shoot this and you miss, they're going to score. And then he would like some Reggie Jackson stuff where it was like, be ready. You're going to cause a swing if you miss this. And then he did it and it would cause swings. I, I, either way, Marcus Morris was a top four clipper in the series. That's we can't argue Wait, against that. Right? Go from third to top four. I'll say top four because if people want to say Zubats was their second best player or the third best player, that's fine. Um, he was a top four player for them in the series. He was pretty much lights out from the field and a great defender. And he gets so tossed out. You're telling me you ghost wrote that SB Nation article saying he needs to be stopped. If they pay me, I'll do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, second half comes around. The Clippers open up a 23 point lead in the second half. And just like in a couple of the previous games in the series, they just completely let that lead whittle away because of a bench trio that we'll talk about in a little bit. And it's a six point game in the fourth quarter, like eight or nine minutes to go in the game. And then Kawhi Leonard happened. Farbaud finishes with 33 points, 14 rebounds, seven assists, five steals. He was nine of 10 from the field in the second half. Uh, It feels really good to give the ball to someone and know they're going to score. The the Kawhi Leonard thing is like I, I, when I see him play, I'm like, this must be how Laker fans felt when they had Kobe. When it was just like, yeah, they have a team, but shut up and just give the ball to Kobe. Like <laughs> when when I see Kawhi in the fourth, I'm like, okay, whatever you got planned, don't do it. Just give the ball to Kawhi. It's fine with me. I'll live and die by that. One of the funniest parts about this series. So for the series, Kawhi averaged 33 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, two steals. And he did that on 54% shooting from the field. The reason it's funny that he shot 54% from the field is he only shot 29% from three. But when you look at the eight to 16 foot range, the man was a menace. He made 26 of his 35 shots in that range. He was just killing everybody there. He killed him in the paint. He killed him from the short mid range. It was, it was crazy. It was like, he was as everyone was fawning over Luka Doncic and rightfully so Luka Doncic is freaking good and is going to be a stud in this league for at least a decade. Kawhi Leonard was the best player on the floor. And I don't think that's crazy to say, because whenever the ball got on Kawhi Leonard's hands, I knew the Clippers were going to get a worthwhile shot and most likely make it. Yeah, it just felt like he couldn't be stopped. It just, I mean... And if he missed the shot, it was like, how did he miss that? It wasn't like, 
it wasn't bad. You know, it was just like, oh, that somehow that just didn't go in. Um, I think Luca is going to be the best player in the NBA within like three years. I could, I honestly, I could see that. I think it'll always, I think it's going to be between him and Giannis. I, it's kind of weird. I mean, I think I said it to you. I don't remember who I said it to, but I said he, he's basically what I thought Ben Simmons was going to become. Ben Simmons is like six, what is he, six ten point guard, six nine point guard, who can just become a problem at every capacity. But then Luca has the shooting prowess that Ben Simmons doesn't. And it just I don't know, it just seems like he's what I thought Ben Simmons would become. He's just incredible. Like he really is he's incredible. And Dallas is gonna be a scary team for the for the coming future, depending on the health. Or even even if Porzingis isn't fully healthy, I mean they still have Luca, who's bordering on being a top five player already two years in the NBA. Like he's that good. Um, but back to the Clippers for a second. Kawhi Leonard finished with a 63.9 true shooting percentage. That's incredible. The dude was efficient as hell. Uh, Marcus Moore Sr. was at 68.5% true shooting. The one that might shock people is Reggie Jackson put up a 65.1 true shooting percentage. And as much as I have griped about Reggie Jackson, that man knocked in 57% of his threes. And I ain't going to hate on the dude for that because I like catch and shoot Reggie Jackson. I don't like any other Reggie Jackson. And I definitely... Definitely do not like Reggie Jackson yanking on Paul George's shoulders with a minute and a half to go in the game, trying to get him up off the floor by yanking on his shoulders. Those are surgically repaired shoulders, sir. Please be careful. It's kind of insane how like how much better he is at catching shooting than like letting him have the ball and rocking with it. Like it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. I shouldn't be confident when Reggie Jackson takes a catch and shoot three and then have that same amount of confidence in him. And that he'll actually miss the shot if it isn't catch and shoot. Like when he and then like he's like a higher percentage catch and shoot three guy than he is at driving to the rim. When he drives to the rim, he does some crazy stuff where I'm like, he takes some dumb shots. He takes some dumb shots, bro. (laughs) Did you see I tweeted about it today, but did you see the sequence in the game on Sunday where uh, Reggie points and yells to Kawhi, like, hey, take the guy in the corner. I'll take the guy on the wing. And Kawhi just, like, ignores him. Like, you know he heard him because, A, Reggie's pointing, but Kawhi can't see him pointing, but he's yelling. You can you can visibly see him yelling. And Kawhi's just ignoring him. And I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense. And then there was the incident what, in Game 5 when Kawhi told that's him, like, my, oh. That's my new favorite Kawhi moment as a Clipper, to be honest. That is, like... <laughs> That's my favorite Clipper Kawhi moment. I think that it's so underrated. of just him being like, I didn't pass the ball for that shit. I just, yeah, I look, I've given Reggie a lot of grief. But the crazy part is he might have been better than Lou in this series. Uh, One outside of that one game from Lou, he might have been the best like the best uh, actual bench guard. I don't really consider Landry a bench guard because, and I want to prop, I want to point this out. Landry Shamit's starting minutes in the series save the Clippers. I 100% believe that. Well, yeah, I, I actually tweeted a thing out today, an article about him. Uh, in games one and two off the bench, he's a minus 31. In games three to six in the starting lineup, he's a plus 37. Yeah, it turns out putting him next to better people actually helps. It just, I don't know, he just seems like a completely better player. Now, I don't know how much that changes with Pat Bev coming back in. They're going to have an interesting thing with him, uh, Beverly. Like, he's the starter, 
but Shamit works so well with the starters and so poorly with the bench. I don't know if I would want to. Uh, I'm overthinking it. You're just going to start Beverly. You're going to have to. You're going to start Beverly no matter what. Yeah, I'm overthinking it. Um, so, yeah, Clippers win four games to two. All respect to Dallas. They fought hard. Like, they did yeah, not go away easily. Than, I mean, for them to not have Porzingis and to cut it to nine, like – I mean, the Clippers were lucky Tim Hardaway Jr. had an awful game in game six because Tim Hardaway Jr. was killing them all series. I don't know if you saw me. Uh, well, I, I doubt you saw it. So after game four, I tweeted Tim Hardaway Jr. This is through the first four games of that series. Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry, Trey Burke were combining for 49.3 points per game on a 64 and a half true shooting percentage. In games five and six, which were Clipper wins, those three combined for only 30 and a half points per game on a 46 and a half true shooting. So like those three came crashing back down to earth and it's like, hey, like maybe that's all the Clippers need is for the role guys to kind of just not be unconscious from the field. And sometimes it works out like that. Sometimes it doesn't. We've seen teams go home because it didn't work out like that. But for the Clippers, it did. And, you know, they're on to the second round. And, you know, as we're going to end up discussing you know, who should they end up playing? But for now, I mean, what is your biggest takeaway from this, from this first round series? You know, before I say my takeaway, the one thing I thought was funny as well, (coughs) well, every Clipper fan and a lot of Clipper media guys were like doom and gloom after game four. I asked one of the scouts, like, what do you think is going to happen? And he was like, man, I'm not worried. Like they have Kawhi Leonard and the Dallas Mavs guys are just going to, fall back into regular shooting graces after this game. Like they're not going to, all those Trey Burks, all the Tim Hardaway juniors, they're not going to shoot the same clip that they've been shooting at. And the Clippers will win in six. And then like literally everything he said would happen happened. Um, I don't mean to be a, I was right guy, but I did say Clippers in six from the beginning. So, Hey, I don't know. You were pretty pessimistic after game four. Because I, okay, to be fair, and this is my takeaway from the series. I hated how much Doc wasn't adjusting. And then he finally adjusted in games five and six with defensive coverages. And it changed a lot. And so my biggest takeaway was Doc finally adjusted to something. And even in game six, when Lou and Trez were pretty bad and the the lead was cut down to six early in the fourth, he yanked those two off the floor and they only played like 17 or 18 minutes a piece and then he put back in Zubots and uh, like, uh, what was it? Paul George at that time came back in and it was like, oh, okay. Like maybe he's learning. Like I, so I had reason to be doom and gloom, but he actually learned and I was like, oh, okay. Maybe it's not so bad. Man, nearly every Clipper media guy I talked to was like doom and gloom. Like I had one guy being like, listen, they're just not going to win and we're going to go on vacation early. And I was like, what? Listen, I wouldn't mind vacation. No, I, they 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 gonna fire us. So we don't we don't want vacation. Oh, that's true. All right, so what was your takeaway? This permanent vacation. My takeaway is their perimeter defense seemed to get better towards the end. Like by game six, they still aren't where they were in March. That's for sure. And they're gonna have to legitimately figure out: Do you close games with Zoo? Do you close games with Trez? And what do you do about Landry? Because Landry Landry didn't do well off the bench for them during the season anyway. It isn't a bubble-specific thing. 
So I think into the next round, they should be okay. But they got to start fine-tuning things. And Paul George doesn't have to necessarily play above his average. He just has to play to his average, which is like shouldn't be asking for a lot in the playoffs because most guys play above their average. You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, the Cheesecake Factory, and more. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. All you have to do is download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off of your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, the code is BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels, so you never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, so Denver and Utah are meeting Tuesday night, a winner-take-all game seven. Loser literally has to go home. Um, winner gets to stay in beautiful Orlando and be in a bubble for, what, like at least another 10 days. Um, the game one for the second round is scheduled tentatively for Thursday, which means the winner of game seven has a 48 hour turnaround and the Clippers got extra days off. So by the time game one happens on Thursday at 6 PM Pacific, the Clippers will have played one game in approximately nine days. And that bodes well for Kawhi Leonard. That bodes even better for Patrick Beverly, because they're going to need him. And the, the talk from doc rivers today was basically, um, you know, Beverly might be able to go for game one. So, th- so, th- so Denver winning game six really helped the Clippers in a massive way. And that's why I wanted Denver to win game six because more rest is better, especially in a setting like this in Orlando, where like after you win a series, you're not getting much rest. You know what I mean? So like you take what you can get and that's why the Denver win really mattered for them. So I'm, I'm wondering for you personally, what team do you want to see more in the second round for the Clippers, Utah or Denver? Probably want to see. So they struggled more against Denver than Utah, but I probably see Utah more. 
Okay, see, I'm all in on wanting Denver more at this point. Why, um, is that? why is that? Because here's the thing. I believe Denver has the best player out of those two teams. I think Nikola Jokic is the best player on either of those teams. I really do. We misspelled Jamal Murray, but it's okay. I mean, if he keeps playing like he is, he might be the best player in the world. Playoff Jamal Murray is real, man. It was real last year and it's real this year, but, you know, Caruso deserves more all-star votes, so no big deal. So, okay, don't do that. Um, the reason I want Denver is threefold. Number one, their best player isn't a guard or at least a perimeter scorer for the most part. Number two, Denver's defense is pretty much worse than Utah's. And I think that benefits the Clippers in terms of easy looks. Number three, Denver's offense is not an offense that would attack the Clippers defense in ways that Utah's would. Utah's offense attacks switching style defenses, which, hey, it's what the Clippers are. And they involve. And the other thing, too, is Denver doesn't have the ball handlers, at least in time, in terms of as many as Utah does, like. Denver's main ball handlers are are who? Monty Morris, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. And then you get to Utah and it's like, okay, you got to deal with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson to some degree and Joe Ingles. And like, and like that's an extra ball handler and Ingles as the third ball handler is pretty much better than, you know, Monty Morris in terms of danger to a defense. So I'm looking at it from the, I don't think Denver would pose the biggest challenge to them like Utah would. Now, if Utah had uh, Bojan Bogdanovich, I would 100% be like, they need to get Denver because Utah terrifies me. Utah doesn't terrify me as much now as they would with him, but I'm still with Denver because I have a lot of questions about their defense and I don't think their guards would kill the Clippers as much. I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm just scared because it seems like the ceiling for Denver is way higher. Like everyone they, says that they could probably turn it on way higher. And with um, Michael Porter Jr., you know, coming out of his shell, like it just seems like Denver is not the team you want to test. Like they're the team that if if Denver was down three one, they're probably going to come back. If Utah was down three one, it's done. Like, that's the difference between the two to me. Like, they just have a higher ceiling to turn it on. Uh, the, I think, honestly, and this is going to sound kind of meme-y, but my biggest fear for Utah right now is freaking Joe Ingles. Just because, honest, honest, honest to God, like, PG clearly doesn't seem like himself, and the last thing he needs is to see Joe Ingles. Like, he clearly isn't himself, and I could see him getting even more... It's just bad performing against Joe Ingles. So here's here's why I don't want Utah beyond just the ball handler aspect and stuff like that. Rudy Gobert is such a monster in the paint defensively and Jokic isn't like that matters. And on top of that, Utah not only led the NBA in three point shooting percentage this year, they also lead the postseason and they're getting a lot of open threes. And I don't want the Clippers to have to deal with that. I just really don't. And I'd much rather have Denver. Now, to be fair, the Clippers should beat either one. But we'll see. I mean, that's the fun part with stuff like this. We'll know more tomorrow. I I just I would much rather play Denver from the aspect of I don't think Denver is as physical as Utah is as well. 
No, they're not as physical, but I just think their ceiling is higher. They're the one you would. They're the one you wouldn't want to test as much. By the way, Denver always going to a game seven is a funny thing, I guess. I mean, dude, they seemed done like a week ago, which is crazy. And yeah, when you they, think about it, like they were one eight second violation away from getting swept. They are Jamal Murray is doing something just he's insane. He's just doing stuff that is just it's bonkers, man. It's absolutely bonkers, like the stuff that he is doing. Um, is it bonkers? It's bonkers. Do we have questions? We had questions this week. Yes. All right. Let me read. Do your job, please. Let me read all the fan questions we got. Go ahead. One. How old is Garrett? I don't know. We don't disclose that information. Yeah, that's that's a little too personal. Why is Justin's movie taste so bad? I don't know. Some people are just born like that. Question three. What variables are needed for PG to put up 20 points a game? You can start with that one. I just think he, I think he's fine. Like I really do. I think people have overblown this. I don't know, man. Have you looked at his shooting splits? I've seen them, and They're I'm not worried. And Twenty. I'm not worried. Like I'm really not because I had someone after Game Six tell me he was bad in Game Six, and I was like, No, I actually thought he was really good in Game Six. He just didn't make a shot in the second half. But if you actually watch everything that he did in that game, it was pretty damn good. I just, I, he's fine. He's, he, he I has to. In, in game four, like he looked like a legitimate liability on the court. Game four was bad. Game three, where he actually shot worse than he did in game four, he was good, which is funny because, you know, when you think about it, it's just, there's more than making, I understand it sounds like I'm making an excuse for him. There's more than, there's more to basketball than just making shots. Like he, he does everything that you don't really look at. Like he's, he was crashing the glass. He was being a rim protector at times. He was being a defensive guy. He was being a pick and roll passer, like all these things. And it's like, they're not nothing. So I'm kind of at that point where like, I think people, and I get why they're like, not so much freaking out, but worried. I just think he's fine. I think he's fine. I think that he really did have a mental health thing. And I don't think people should criticize him for that because that's ridiculous if you do. I like I just don't think there's anything really going on with him that makes me think like he's not going to be fine. I don't know. I just. I'm I'm a little concerned because he's like he, he's like the opposite of Jimmy Butler in the playoffs right now. Jimmy Butler in the playoffs just like plays above any ceiling you'd expect and you'd want to run through a wall for him. PG in the playoffs just it's been two straight years of under like it just really seems like he's in his own head hard hard like and I just it's like the guy who loses the big one and then all of a sudden no longer is himself but I don't know he needs to he needs two straight games of solid performances for me to feel okay. Um, next question. Will Zubat average over 30 minutes in the next series? And no. after that? No. Well. No. Maybe. No. Not over 30? No, he averaged 25 for this series. He's not going to average 30. I mean, it depends on how much Jokic or Gobert kind of go go to town. It, 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 he's not averaging 30. 
No, not 30, but like maybe 27 or 28. Wasn't the question over 30? Yeah, but I don't care about his question. I'm just going to answer it all. Oh, my God. No, I don't, I don't even think he gets us 27. Realtor Muff, I'm going to answer it how I want to answer it. I don't even think he gets the 30. I don't even think he gets 27. So I think he just sticks at about 25. Who would be a better second round matchup? Denver, Utah. You said Denver. I say Utah. Mm -hmm. Same question again. Mm -hmm. Can we beat Denver or Utah with PG averaging less than 20 points a game or do we need him more? Yes, you can. Um, You can. I'd be a little bit more scared if PG's under 20 because they could just go on an offensive explosion too and it might be like a Dallas situation again. I think they can beat either team if he's even scoring. Like it's funny because saying under 20, he averaged 18 and a half this series. Like it wasn't. Like I, like, I get it. I get he had, like, three really bad games. Or even four really bad games, shooting-wise. Shooting-wise. But, like, I don't know. Like, I, I just... I, I think you can, because you have other guys who can supplement the scoring load. Like, you know, like Lou Williams, Marcus Morris, you know, Reggie Jackson at times, Landry Shamit, Patrick Beverly when he comes back, Montres Harrell when he gets more time. Like, it's it's not a definitive thing of... Well, if he's not scoring 20 a game, we're kind of screwed. I don't look at it like that. What if if Kawhi wins finals MVP? Is he the greatest hip to be clipper of all time? It's not even a question. If he even just if 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 he got them to the conference finals, he'd already probably be the greatest clipper of all time. I'd have to agree with that. I I think it's I think it's the very first time, and I kind of felt it a little bit with Chris Paul, but it's the very first time where I'm like, oh, they got a guy that as long as you got him, you're okay. Like, with Chris, sometimes Chris could get stopped because he's small, you know? But with Kawhi, it's just like, dude, just throw him the ball and you'll be okay. It's just, I don't know. He's just It's just another level. I've never seen any, I've never seen any player on the Clipper like that that just won't fold. I I have an unbelievable amount of unwavering trust in him, and I probably shouldn't, but because that's not how life works, but hey. That sounds like a deeper rooted issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. Next question it says it's Morris and Harris's final year con on the contract. Also, Green has a player option. What should the priorities be for that position? Any veteran, center, or power forward? Um, I think you do everything you can to re-sign Morris and Green, and also Harold if the price isn't too bad. I my lukewarm take on the offseason is the Clippers are gonna sign and trade Montres Harrell. Maybe that's going to irk some people. That's just what I believe. I'm not speaking on – I don't have any sources in the organization or telling me anything like that. I just – I just that's what I feel. That's just – that's what I think happens. Yeah, I, I think you Morris has more than proved his worth in the playoffs already. Jermichael is just so invaluable. Like whatever bargain you can get Jermichael for is worth it, you know. Trez is going to be interesting because he should be getting paid a lot this offseason. But I think in the same way a lot of wrestlers were in for a rude awakening, I think a lot of NBA players are going to be in a rude awakening uh, in October 
where they realize they're not going to get paid anywhere near the same amount of money as they were going to get paid pre-pandemic. So I think I think Trez having his contract year in the middle of a pandemic, while it is absolutely awful for him and is sucks beyond capacity, is probably the best thing that could have happened for the Clippers. I also think uh, if Jermichael Green turns down his player option, which he does, he has a $5 million player option, the Clippers retain his bird rights, which means they can go over the cap to re-sign him to any number. So I think they're going to bring Jam. I think they really like Jermichael. I think they like what he brings to the floor and the fact that he's, he's, he's a guy who – yeah, and plus he's fine with, oh, if I get 20 minutes, I'm that's great. If I get 30, that's awesome. If I get 10, that's that's fine too. Like he doesn't really cause problems. And I, I think Kawhi likes him. If people remember, Kawhi was the guy who called Jermichael and told him to come back to the Clippers, and that's what happened. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, it's going to be an interesting offseason. Last question before we wrap it up. Will Paul George step up in the second round? Yes. I'm going to say yes, but if he's going against Joe Ingles, I'm kind of apprehensive. I, th- I, I, I just think yes. I just think yes. I think there's a lot that's been made of like certain things. I just I think he's fine. I'm not going to get worried until there's something to worry about. A guy I mean, having a great game one and a couple of them worrisome. What happened? Him saying he's depressed is worrisome. No, I think that's a guy who is being honest and his family just arrived in the bubble. And I think that's going to do wonders for him mentally. I mean, he was awesome in game one. He was solid to good in games two and three, even while not scoring. Game four was bad. Game five was tremendous. Game six, he was good again, even if he was six of 19. Like, I don't, I really, I understand why people look at shooting numbers because it's one of the easiest things to look at rather than having to go to look at the film and all this stuff. I think he's fine. I'm not worried. I'm really not. I understand why fans are. I don't want to dispel their worry. I get it. I just, I think he's fine. Any final words? I just think that the second round is going to be interesting. Um, I have long thought based on the four teams and their little mini bracket thing. um, Dallas was always going to present the biggest problem. Um, Number one, because of Rick Carlisle, he's really freaking good. He's he's probably a top five coach Um, because of Doncic. He's the most dynamic lead ball handler in their bracket. They're like the little 14 pod thing, even more so than Mitchell, even more so than Murray. Yes. Um, I also think that Dallas's ability to space the floor was always going to give them more problems. And it did. Um, I just, I think Dallas presented more problems than either of the other two teams. So I think, and I hope I should, I shouldn't say, I think I hope, I hope beyond all hope, that the Clippers do not relax going into the second round and just go, all right, we got through Dallas. Everything's a breeze until at least the conference. Like you cannot relax. It's the postseason. small sample size. We saw what happened in the first four games. You got to keep it. You got to keep it moving. You got to keep, you know, the intensity, the, the game plan moving. You got to stick to everything that you know that can work. So it'll be interesting to see what doc decides in terms of game plan. Um, I've been slowly going through the footage. I'm kind of waiting to see what happens on Tuesday night. 
before I really dive into film, but you know, far about it. I will be back um, on Wednesday to discuss uh, like the second round matchup after we find out who they're playing actually th- uh, on Thursday, not Wednesday, excuse me. We'll be back Thursday to discuss that before the first game of the second round. Um, I got to really dive into the film, but look, it's not going to be easy and nothing ever work worth accomplishing was ever easy. What are you? So, Yoda? Yeah. Uh, I just why you use a cane. Okay. <laughs> All right. You feel good about yourself? <laughs> Very much. Uh, you working on anything for SI? Only a million articles a week. Yeah. Stop working so hard. Exactly. All right. Um, like I said, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, you got anything left for them? For, for the for the am? Why'd I talk like that? For the am? You got anything left for these people? Um, you know, sometimes it's just nut cutting time. Speaking and of that, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up. Time. I'm glad you brought that up. By any chance, did you see? I believe it was on the eighth, which I want to say was like game one or game two, right? Um, no, on the eighth, no, the eighth, that would have been it was oh during their during their one of their seeding matchups against the uh, the Portland Trailblazers. Did you see Chauncey Billups say nut cutting time? Yes. Point to me. Look at the scoreboard. Well, just saying. I could also point that that's something retired NBA players use. Hey. Oh, by the way, real quick, because Chauncey and Brian aren't going to be doing any Clipper games for the rest of the postseason because uh, local broadcasts only do the first round. It's all national after that. Uh, Hats off to Brian Seaman and Chauncey Bills. I thought they did an excellent job all year. Brian was awesome. I loved him in his first year with the Clippers. Um, He's a rising star, if not a star already. Uh, and I, Chauncey got better as the year went along and I love Chauncey. I thought he was extremely unbiased, which I like. And he explained the game of basketball for people and highlighted things that were very important. And I think that stuff cannot get talked about enough. So I can't wait for next season. There are rumors that Chauncey Billups is going to get onto a coaching staff, uh, especially with Ty Lue, who's an assistant coach for the Clippers right now. So I'm going to miss Chauncey Billups if, and when he gets a coaching job, but I couldn't wish him enough of the best because he he's really damn good at it and brian was awesome so that's all i gotta say any any final shout outs you want to give before we wrap this up no i think i'm done with giving a shout i ain't ever giving you a shout out so stop asking i'm gonna give a shout out i'm gonna give a shout out to the fans for having so many questions for us you might not like the fans because you're grumpy and you hate everybody, but I appreciate y'all. You don't you don't like the fans. No, no one likes fans. Shout out to the fans. All right, everybody, take it easy. Have a have a good uh, Tuesday. Stay safe. Social distance. Wear your mask. I know you're probably annoyed of hearing me say that every time at the end of podcasts. But if you do all that, you continue to get to see great Clipper playoff basketball. So everyone else, take it easy. Farbod, you suck. We'll see you guys later. Did somebody say playoffs? 
NBA and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. 